Welcome to Solo 2.0, an empowerment podcast hosted by two sisters living in LA, making their way through the health and wellness world. I'm Ryan Birch. And I'm Jess Sukan. Each week, we're committed to bringing you conversations with risk-taking, resilient guests from diverse backgrounds, interviews with experts on controversial or misunderstood topics that will expand your perspective, and lively roundtable discussions with our mom, hormone health educator, Candace Birch. We're driven to provide the support and motivation needed to ignite growth, confidence, and purpose so you can step into that 2.0 version of you. We can't wait to dig into these conversations and hope you'll join us every week for a new episode. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Solo 2.0 podcast. This is Ryan, co-founder of Your Hormone Balance. And I'm Jess, holistic health coach and founder of Body Bliss by Jess. Today we are talking to Olivia Crippen, who is a holistic chef, food stylist, and culinary producer. She's also one of our closest friends here in LA and one of our favorite people ever. Liv views food as an expression of culture and also believes that the way we eat and the way we communicate about food relates to how we view and communicate with ourselves. Her unique culinary style combines bold, multicultural flavors with nutrient-dense ingredients to create dishes that are nourishing to the body and mind. With a passion for mindful eating, Liv strives to break the rules of dogmatic dietary restrictions while cooking without any gluten, dairy, or refined sugar. The result is bright, flavorful, and energizing meals that truly feed you from the inside out. Yeah, we wanted to have Liv on the podcast not only because she's magnetic, sassy, multi-talented, and super multi-passionate, but she has had a very interesting life journey that we know so many of you will be able to relate to. We really could relate to it. We had a lot of back and forth on kind of the transitions you go through in your early 20s, and we really feel like you guys will pick up some great wisdom from, from what she shares here. In this conversation, we talk about Olivia's experience making it well into the top 10 of MasterChef, including telling us what it was really like being on the show and what she thinks of Gordon Ramsay, her experience overcoming an eating disorder, which which she was still in the throes of during the filming of MasterChef, how her upbringing and early life experiences inspired her careers in fashion, cooking, and eventually food styling, how she climbed out of dark periods in her life, including periods of being really misaligned with her true self and consumed with money and status in her early 20s, which she explains contributed to her eating disorder. Um, She also shares her current philosophy around cooking and eating and how she healed her relationship with food and fully stepped into her true self and purpose with the beautiful work that she does today. So this is a really fun, insightful conversation. As usual, Uh, especially with a good friend of ours. We had trouble wrapping it up because there was just so much more we wanted to talk about. Um, We really focused this one a lot on her story. We had wanted to talk about cooking tips and all of that, but that might just have to be a Mm (laughs) two-part. So yeah, but for that reason, we're just going to dive right on into it. Help us welcome Liv Krupen to the podcast. So... Just to give you a little intro, um, Liv is one of my, becoming one of my really great friends in LA. I think COVID has brought us closer together. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Totally. We've been voice texting nonstop. I feel like we just have like one long 
stream of voice texts that never end. <laughs> uh, Fortunately and unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're pretty good at getting back to each other. Uh, so we, yeah, we've become really close and, you know, pre-COVID times, back in the before times, we used to do a lot of collaborations together. Liv obviously is an incredible holistic chef and um, she did a lot of dessert creation and these insane charcuterie boards with desserts and all kinds of creations. She would partner with our friend Sarah Cat, Mood Boards LA, and they would just bring together these, like, bring to life these insane, delicious, beautiful, um, edible boards. And mm-hmm. we did a lot of events with Liv, Ryan included. Yeah, I mean... I've never heard so many people just get so excited about edible arrangements before. Oh yeah, and I worked <laughs> and I worked in catering for a long time, which is why I'm excited to hear about your years in catering too. Um, but what you guys do is just so creative and magical and so healthy, which mm-hmm. is another thing I've never been able to find before: sugar-free cookies and oh my god, the stuff the stuff you do is insane. Especially so. when you go to events, and I feel like, Rye, you and I have talked about this before, because we used to be in event production. You don't eat a full meal because you're just so crazy busy, and there's all these snack foods everywhere. And by the time you're done with the event, you feel like there's a brick in your stomach. You're, like, bent over with, like, gas and just, like, not <laughs> And after, you know, you provide these, like, delicious snacks and treats that actually have – like healthy fats and proteins and things like that, but are also feel like such a magical treat. So it's kind of like the new, I'm excited because it's like the new wave, I hope of chefs or like you're one of the few that I know of where it's not only, not only does it look good, does it taste great, but you can actually feel really good about the ingredients, which is really rare Mm -hmm. at events, especially. Oh, I love this. You guys can just talk amongst yourself about my cookies. How about that? <laughs> we could. Yeah. We could talk amongst ourselves for hours oh, about yeah. your cookies. I made Aww, love you. I made Raya a plate of your chocolate cookies, which I literally send to every single client that I have, and they love me forever for it. So you give me Aww. good my clients. Um, but I made a plate of those cookies for Rye's birthday last year. I think it was last year. Yeah. And we pretty much ate, ate them all. Yep. <laughs> ate them all gone. I love it. I love it. That's the best when other people make my recipes. I think that's like, it's really important to me that it not be like this secret thing. That's a big part of what I like to do is like share. And I encourage people to make it their own. Like, yes, it's, it starts with me and it starts with my kitchen and my story and my intention. But I, I always want people to take it and like, adopt it and make it part of their life so it makes me so happy yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's so beautiful um and yeah there's so much more to what you do and we'll get into a lot of that I'm personally really excited to talk about some of the things that you're working on now and um we're so fortunate because we are collaborating on this new app called fiber and it's coming out sometime and it's been a really great (laughs) project uh, we can't say too much, but as you and Liv, not me. Yes, Liv and I are consulting for this incredible new project and um, TBD. I don't know how much we can say, right? But yeah, I was gonna say I'll keep it on the down low, but get excited. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's go a little bit farther back into your upbringing, and I know because you've shared with me that you you were raised by 
people, a family that was really into cooking. You have chefs in your family. So can you share some of those early influences and moments as a child being raised around such delicious food and such talented chefs and maybe the moment that you realized it was something that you were also passionate about? Yeah, great, great place to start. And I think like, like you said about the timing of this, this particular interview, there's so much that has changed even in the last like short period of time with COVID and everything. So even now, like I'll look back on my childhood experience around food and it'll I'll see more in it. And basically I grew up with a mom that was, both my parents are very like Midwestern and food for us was like very wholesome and very healthy. My mom is, I wouldn't say she was like a hippie or anything like that, but for instance, like we've been shopping at Whole Foods forever. Like I didn't have sugar until I was like two years old. We could never chew gum. There were definitely some rules about what was like wrong and right. But for the most part, like that also was paired with a lot of creativity in the kitchen. We were cooking constantly And my brother grew up to be a chef, like a proper restaurant chef. And Mm -hmm. my mom was professionally trained. And throughout my like upbringing, she would go and do these uh, short courses at the Culinary Institute of America. And like, they were always really interesting. She did like a barbecue one and an Indian one. And so there was just lots of multicultural influences, but then also always this kind of like good old American food like running through all of it, just wanting all of us to have like really wholesome and balanced meals. Um, and then in high school, I was, I was just obsessed with, I don't, I don't know how to say it any other way. Like it's so plain. I was just obsessed with cooking and I was obsessed with cooking shows and not just like for entertainment. I really wanted to learn and and there was, I don't know if you guys ever watched Cooking Channel, but there was this dude, it was chocolate with Jacques Torres. Does anybody remember that? <laughs> no. Yeah, we didn't really watch no. it. Yeah. There was like chocolate with Jacques Torres, and then there was Nigella Lawson, and then there was Jamie Oliver at the time. He was like really hot and young, and his show was called Naked Chef. And I'm like this, like, you know, I think from the time I was like 10, I was watching Cooking Channel. And I used to, like, when people would be like playing pretend and doing whatever, I would be like filming like cooking commercials. Like I was always just really interested in that world. And then I started working in high school at a cooking school called Let's Get Cooking, which was like a boutique um, cooking school. And I was the assistant. So I would like set up all the classes and then clean up after. And then I didn't, I didn't really realize, but just by way of being there, I was like taking the classes. Mm -hmm. So I think that it was just, it was always just like woven into what I was doing. And it always felt like in retrospect, I would like wake up many days and be like, mom, do you want me to make you breakfast? And I made dinner for the family, like once a week, it was always like a way of like being very giving, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, that seems like it was always your love language. Yeah, very, very much so. And then, you know, not to like jump right into the contrast of, of it all, but my family, there, there was some underlying issues like around weight within my family. Um, and different members of my family at different times were encouraged to eat in different ways. And then we would all be encouraged to eat that way, you know, so that the, that person didn't feel like zeroed out. 
and again, like I was always getting these messages of it being like really fun to cook and really important, but then there was also some confusion there. And my dad is like vegan vegetarian. My sister went through a period of being like, I'm afraid of anything with bones. Like she wouldn't, she wouldn't eat anything. That was what it was. It was like, okay, I'll have chicken, but it has to be like cut off the bone. Mm -hmm. And, um, then there was me and I was just like, can you put garlic and mushrooms on everything? Like I was always not weird about food. It was just always like all, I loved every part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, so, cause we're going to get into this a little bit, but I've always wondered about that when you're someone that's cooking all the time and baking all the time, like, were you consciously restricting yourself from having bites and like, well, how do you, ha- how do you handle that in the moment? Or was that something you were kind of told, um, to, to avoid? It's interesting because I think that like all that stuff that was going on, that sort of like had this subtext, this underlying message of like, when things aren't right, you can work on the external and it will make the internal better. Like when, your health isn't right. You can work on your physical body and, and somehow get those two to align. I think that I was getting that message in the way that, um, they were handling like other, other family members food issues, but I never really took it on as my own. But again, I think that that was something that must've been like subconsciously in there because later in life, when there were other things that came along, that's when, restriction came came became something that like I think was almost second nature to me I when I was initially first started cooking and like throughout college and when I started to become an adult and really take care of myself food was not an issue and I never had like an addictive personality or anything like that so I don't really know it was one of those things that sort of like snuck up on me almost yeah I'm interested in your career transition into the fashion industry because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just guessing I don't know that we've ever really talked about this but I feel like working in that kind of an industry is probably extremely difficult and puts a sort of microscope or spotlight on the areas of your body that you don't necessarily love or Mm -hmm. you know think that there's probably a lot of pressure to look a certain way and I hear that so much from people who have worked in fashion regardless of what part of the industry you're in so Mm -hmm. I'm curious maybe that experience um impacted your body image and your confidence in some way that sort of uh you know made you restrict more or if that was completely separate Mm -hmm. well there's a couple things so first of all to like give everyone and you guys the connective kind of tissue of, of like how it went. So high school, I was very much into food, but like also obsessed with Project Runway. I don't know why the TV shows become the thing that sort of like, <laughs> like show, like I went, I moved from cooking shows to Project Runway <laughs> and America's Next Top Model. And, and I think that like, that was just, it was normal. And it wasn't like cooking wasn't still an interest of mine, but I actually like started becoming really interested in sewing. And I always loved, um, making things like, like cooking and, and clothes and fashion and art. They're all an expression of like culture, Mm -hmm. um, in one way or another. And I think that my interest as I got older just sort of like shifted and 
but I, again, at this time, I really didn't feel like I had like body image issues. I think I had more issues with like comparison to other girls and, and things like that, which I'm, I know all of us go through, especially at that age. And then college, I studied fashion and art and I ended up finishing school in London. And I remember being in London and like the clothes are just so amazing and everyone's just a lot more expressive out like with their, with the way that they dress. And I remember like looking in the mirror at this one particular time and being like, oh my God, like I finally look exactly how I wanted to look. And I think I was maybe like a little bit thinner than I had been, but I wasn't like, food wasn't an issue at this time, but I was like dressing really cool. And like my hair was dyed black and I had like piercings Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was like this, I was like, this is who I am. And I remember feeling like really, really comfortable. Um, and, and then what ended up happening was that year ended and it ended like really, it just ended really traumatically. And I think I just sort of had this moment where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do now that I have to move back to LA and like, who am I? And my identity is linked to this place. And there were also some, like, there was just some confusion about how to navigate romantic relationships. Like it was just a perfect storm kind of thing. And then when I moved back to LA, I started working in like LA based fashion and LA based fashion contrary to London is about it's it is about like the outward appearance and it isn't about like looking good to feel good and to express yourself it's about looking good to be hot Mm -hmm. and and I hate to say that I don't want to like brush with such broad strokes about every person that works in the fashion industry in in the west coast but it is more like celebrity oriented yeah Um, and even that word celebrity is like just gross to me so that Mm -hmm. definitely came into you know, into focus. And that became a part of my life, like, like dressing and looking away to be attractive and not just to feel cool. Um, but what, what I really want to touch on is that like that perfect storm element. Like, I don't really think working in fashion was the thing that made me have an eating disorder. I think that I had this, like, I want to use the word cocktail, but like a cocktail of things that allowed me to distract And I think some people in my situation would have started drinking and become an alcoholic, but that's like not my vibe. So I, again, I think it was almost like built in that like food would be the thing that I would like take on as my number one distraction from my actual issues and my actual like issues around self-worth. And when you say distraction, do you mean it would be the thing that you could control? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, it was the thing that I could control. I think it was a thing that I could focus on is like, and I know Jess, you've, you've been there and I'm, I'm sure, I don't know, Raya, if at different points you've experienced this or obviously you guys have probably shared a lot about it, but there's just times in the, like how many times a day can you count what you've had that day and decide if it was bad or good? Like the Mm -hmm. amount of time that you spend doing that you could probably like cure cancer, but you're so busy doing that thing so that you don't have to, you know, fill your time with other things. And I think I was really kind of having a, like a, like a dark night of the soul kind of like, who am I situation? And, and like all my childhood, it's just all the stuff that I'd never dealt with. I just, I didn't have the tools to do it. And so then I went to this, this other extreme of like controlling my food. Yeah. Mm. so you described yourself as kind of like a punk vibe in (laughs) in London 
you were you were feeling like that was your vibe, that was your look, and then you moved back to LA. There have been some things in your personal life that have unfolded negatively, and now you're in this like celeb culture. So how does your identity and kind of look start to evolve as a result of that transition? Obviously, at this point, you've picked up the beginning of an eating disorder. Um, how does the rest of your personality and kind of your yeah, how does your personality start to change as well? Yeah, that's such a good question. Because like at a different point in my in my life, it would have been like really hard, really sad to look back at it. And now I just like look at that girl and I love her so much. I'm like, oh my God, I love her so much. Like she had no idea. Wow. Um yeah, and I'm I I really like she just needed love, you know? I think I started to, I remember I had like these leather pants from free people that were a double extra small. And I remember that, and I don't like to talk about that because it sort of paints like a picture and I prefer for it to be like ambiguous because also eating disorders are different for different people. Like some people have an eating disorder and they might not look it, you know, but I, I think I did start to look the classic part Mm. And I remember just thinking like, oh, free people used to run really small and now it runs big. And I think I was in a job with a couple of other girls my age, women that I felt really competitive towards, but I felt like I was just like losing. And I remember just kind of shutting down and, and closing off and I didn't seek out any female friendships. I only pursued male attention Mm. and it wasn't necessarily like promiscuous or anything but like I didn't make time for my friends I made time like for dates you know Mm -hmm. and I think yeah I just remember like I look I found a note in my phone the other day from around this time that was like is it wrong that I only care about making money and being hot Mm. (laughs) and like know about it now (laughs) pardon how do you feel about that note now? Like, oh my God. I mean, I look at that and I see that that was a, just a huge turning away from myself. I just didn't have, like I said, I just didn't have it within me to be like, okay, I need, I need to address X, Y, and Z. And I thought, and I think also in your early twenties, I think a lot of people, you do get a lot, whether you have a problem with it or not, you get a lot of validation from like getting your career off the ground and like oh, feeling yeah. good about the way that you present yourself in the world. And I just think my personality began to retract. I think my personality began to retract. I think that I was really, I didn't even like the job. And uh, it was a time when like, I think I felt happy because I lived on my own and I was supporting myself like for the first time, but it was just very, it was just all like confusing. It was just like a fog. Yeah, because it's kind of like, I think we've all experienced that to your point, you're all after college, all that matters is like, oh, what, what job can I get? Because you really do want people to know you really do want to feel successful. You want like, people to know that you're, you're on the right track, but then you can be you can get to that place and in that job that's that you thought was gonna be really cool. And you feel so empty. And it's so unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. So for you, obviously, maybe that feeling was a little bit more subconscious. You still were kind of like, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying making the money and how, but at what point did you kind of maybe start taking the steps to say, okay, I'm not super happy in this place. What do I want to do from here? 
I think, I think I actually like, so from the time I was 22 till even like 20, you know, 22, 23, 24, I was kind of letting life take me on a ride. I don't think I was making decisions. I think I was letting a lot of stuff happen to me and then reacting. And Mm -hmm. I think I was using my, my, like, you know, this, this through line of like looking good as a way to feel anchored and to attract in what I thought I wanted in the world. And I actually did then attract people that like valued that. And, you know, that's what I thought I wanted. And just actually, I think, you know, some of this, but I ended up in a relationship that was really, really exciting and involved a lot of like travel and new experiences. And, and I felt like I had a, a reason to continue to be that girl because the relationship almost required it of me. Mm. And, um, and you know, it was just like me digging myself further down, but honestly, now it's like, I had to have that experience. Like sometimes you have to go so far in the wrong direction to be able to say like, that, that is not me. Like I know what's not me. So I'm going to go find what is me. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. And I think, I hope, does that answer your question? Yeah. Well, and I, and I mean, you know, that, that time frame for us to each get to that point is so different for everybody, you know, it can yeah. be years and years. And so I think you just summarized it so well. It's like, it's just that moment when you realize like, whoa, wait a minute. Why am I so far from myself? Mm-hmm. How totally. did I get so far away from like really what really I value? Um, and that can be a lifetime for some people. So um, we know now you're in this amazing career that is so aligned with who you are, but we definitely do want to hear about um, kind of your transition from fashion to catering in LA as well, because, and I can say from working in catering in LA, it's a wild world Mm -hmm. out there. (laughs) What, what was that transition like for you? How did you kind of um, go from fashion into that? Yeah, well, I think here's the thing about like all the time that it took and the twists and the turns and the kind of getting away from myself is I think like ultimately it was all in its right time because slowly like who I really was, I start, I remember I started to become like Instagram had just started and this was like my mid twenties and I was working, I ended up like switching jobs a bunch of times all within fashion. I was working as a wardrobe stylist and I had gone from editorial styling, which is again is a very much about like reflecting culture and like trend forecasting and stuff like that. And also just like creating cool imagery and, and, and working within the magazine world. I went from doing that to doing like celebrity styling and like e-commerce fashion and e-commerce is literally like how many looks can you shoot in a day can you be a robot basically and just like dress people in designer clothes so I was doing that and I had this relationship that was like very very exciting but it had like a long distance element and so I ended up one summer um I ended up being like back in LA excuse me it needs some water. So I ended up being back in LA and my boyfriend was away and Instagram had just started. And I was like really wanting to make art, but I wanted to make art like my own way. I wanted to make collage. I wanted to take pictures. I wanted to make food and I wanted to create like this character. 
and I was too embarrassed to make it be like Olivia Crouppen's Instagram. So I thought up this character called the salad bitch. <laughs> and the salad bitch like only talked about herself in the third person and she was just like every like she was the quintessential like what you think of when you hear the word salad bitch like that's what she was she was just so bitchy and so LA and so and so kind of like stupid like it was meant to be have you did you guys ever watch Daria yeah oh my gosh on MTV like <laughs> yeah 17 I feel like that was long yeah time. Yeah, so Daria's younger sister, her name is Gwen, and she'll, like, wear black and a beret, like, to be artsy one day and just be like, oh, I'm artsy today. Like, it was kind of that. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to create this girl that's the salad bitch. And so then I needed to make make food to post and, like, you know, come up with different kind of pieces of content for that. And it, truth be told, it was actually inspired by the restaurant Lemonade. Because when Lemonade first started, it was actually awesome. And it was like all these different salads, but not like lettuce. It was just like cold, delicious, you know, flavor combinations. And it was like, you can kind of get a little of this, a little of that. And I think that that was my favorite style of eating. And I think because I was so restrictive, I wanted to be able to go somewhere and get like sushi and tacos and pasta all in the same place. And Lemonade, for some reason, did that. So from that, I was like, okay salad bitch is happening salad bitch started an instagram and then i started telling people at work about it and then they started being like you know do you want to cook lunches and i remember like doing lunches for like 10 and then you know like 20 and then my boyfriend came back into town and we had this huge social circle and he also loved to cook and so we started just doing like these huge dinners and it was like all I did for fun was like make food, huge amounts of food. And it got to the point where like, I almost couldn't even understand like where it was coming from. I was like, why am I so good at this? <laughs> and, and like, I just, I just got it. Like, I just get it. And I just know how to, how to think through, there was a lot of organization and then there's a lot of like creativity. And I think it's like the one thing in my life where I can bring those two parts of my brain together so that happened, and then someone that is a very close friend at the e-commerce company that I worked at, she was like, you should, you should try out for MasterChef. And um, I know Jess has recently watched MasterChef, <laughs> my yeah. season, which is like just, I actually, well, I'll get to it later, but I actually had never seen my season until like quarantine right now. So which is it's something, well. Yeah, it's something I'm actually, like, reliving. I actually watched my elimination episode last night. <laughs> that was the first time? Yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs> I saw that you posted about it on your Instagram, but... I was going to say, I watched <laughs> this morning, and for some reason I started, like, bawling crying. <laughs> oh, my God! No, I haven't seen any episodes. I saw your story. I'm, <laughs> first thing I saw this morning, Thomas came in, like, why are you crying? <laughs> It just hit me like <laughs> you were so like it was so emotional. Oh, it was, dude. It was emo. It was it was emotional. But so so yeah. So to jump back, so you know, salad bitch is sort of becoming this thing that's like just for fun, but also like you know when you hear about people doing the right thing and it being really easy versus when you're doing this other thing and it's really hard. Like fashion yeah. was the kind of thing that like I was also really really good at it, but it was never like 
money wasn't easy. Whereas this other stuff, it was like all of a sudden, like I would just meet people or people wanted to pay me to do things. And it was just so gratifying. There's something so, there's so much instant gratification in cooking, which like even people that don't like cooking, when you get a good recipe and then you make it and then you eat it, it's like, okay, I wanted a thing and then I did it, you know? So Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just really like loving the experience of that. And then my friend was like, try out for a master chef. And I had never seen the show. Um, like I said, my experience with cooking shows was all food Net- network, which is very much about like learning and entertainment and whatever. And then, you know, come master chef, I try out blind, like not even really realizing that it's like a Gordon Ramsay competition show. <laughs> really? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of like the turning point because in order to go on the show, I mean, I'm not sure. Do you want me to pause there? Do you guys have any questions? Like, is there any details specifically? Well, I just want to recap that you have no training at this point, right? Other than growing up in a household of chefs, cooking as a passion and, and doing the cooking classes as your job, but otherwise just fully intuitive. Yeah, completely. I mean, I would say that, like, I I am trained because of, like, teaching at Let's Get Cooking. Like, I've taken every course that they do because I assisted them. And essentially, like, you're kind of like a, an assistant teacher. But That's no, so I, w- I don't have, like, a certificate. I didn't take any specific courses. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. like culinary school or anything. No, no culinary school. Zero. It's amazing. Honestly, it's TV. <laughs> it's, it's what? It's TV. Like, I just imagine how much we learn from now, like from YouTube. Like, you can get a degree on YouTube. Like, yeah. imagine in the early 2000s, like a little girl obsessively watching cooking. It's the same thing. Like, I just had seen every method be done. So then, like, when I needed to do things, I just like knew what to do. Yeah, I, I love both things you just said. Like, the fact that so much of the time when we think we want to do something, we think, well, we have to go to school and do it by the book. And that's definitely not true in this day and age. You can learn so many things oh, God, yeah. online yeah. through classes or just, yeah, sheer passion and grit and doing it over and over. So that's mm-hmm. something that's definitely important for people to, to keep in mind. And then the other thing that you said that I think I just wanted to simmer on for using cooking <laughs> terms. Uh, <laughs> <get one. laughs> is, uh, is, is what you said about like how, and going back to that question I had about like, how did you know when you were in the wrong place kind of a thing that, that when you're in a job or doing something that everything kind of just feels easy and it comes and it's just working out. Whereas like you said, fashion or other situations we can be in everything's so difficult that is such a good gut check sign that you're not quite in the right place yeah yeah I mean I love what you're saying I love what you're saying and I can speak to it so much and I can I'm I can also say um just very confidently that in when you find that in one part of your life it can almost be so confront it's confronting because then you'll look at other parts of your life and you'll be like oh that relationship that I have to work for that's not right either. Like that could be easy or like, Oh, that friendship where I'm always giving and not getting like, that's not going to work for me. So yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was just like this huge, it was the beginning of like a major kind of 
transformation for sure. Shift. Yeah. 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 I think too, one of the phrases that actually does kind of irritate me, I get what it means, but it's, you know, when you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Mm. I work mm-hmm. damn hard, like yeah. I work yeah. very hard and I love what I do, but I think the idea is that, and yes, it hundred percent feels like work a lot of the time, but the idea that when you love what you do, it flows through you and you love it so much that you can't wait to get up in the morning and start mm-hmm. working on the project that you're doing. And when you get to that event or that client hires you, you know, you're so excited about about what you're about to produce for them and the results. And it's like, you just get so much gratification from it. You feel so happy in the moment and you truly, truly look forward to it. And even on the hard days, it's like, I even was saying yesterday, I'm like, sometimes I just want more hours in the day because I actually, I have so much to do and I'm enjoying what I'm doing that I just want Mm -hmm. longer to be able to do it, but it's still work. And that doesn't mean there's not anxiety that comes with it. Right. Well, yeah, no, I totally experience, I experience what you're saying all the time, especially now that I'm like a lot more settled into my business and, and I can know, I can foresee when a project is going to be a lot of effort. And the thing about cooking and what I do and, and maybe what you're speaking to right about catering is like, it is a physical labor. Like I stand and I take a bunch of things and I turn them into something else all day. <laughs> and like, I love it. And it makes me so satisfied. There's just nothing more satisfying, but it is it is work. It is, it's work for sure. But like, but like you're saying, it's this kind of thing where like, it just comes to me. And also quarantine was a really interesting kind of like, um, to use more cooking terms, marinating. It was like a marinating kind of, kind of thing for my like passion, because when there was nothing to do, it's like, this is still what I do. It's like singers just open their mouth and sing, you know what I mean? It's like just in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it really like mixed things up for you though. Oh, <laughs> I'm so just good. kidding. I'm mean, so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say too, though, it makes a lot of sense that MasterChef fell into your life too, because it is kind of, it is like the project runway of food. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We were obsessed with that show. Yeah, too. we loved Project Runway. So yeah, oh, let's. What was the, yeah, what was the, the audition like? And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's funny because I've had the master chef talk a couple times. Like I've talked about it, but I want to give you guys like the juice. So let me like <laughs> not let me not like give you my recited answer. Um. Okay. So one of the wildest parts is that after you try out, they narrow it down to the top 100 in the country, and I think that like 400,000 people try out. Wow. So, it's a lot of people and they hold auditions all over the country at these different like hotels and the auditions you go through a series of of kind of like it's almost like personality tests they watch you interact they watch you cook you send them a video of yourself which I actually forgot that I even did and it's like the video is so funny it's me and my mom like walking around the mall and me like showing pairing clothes together (laughs) but really like it's like that but then cut to me sitting in like a chair that looks like a queen's chair like pretending to be bougie like just like lounging like it was just so dumb but the whole thing was that I knew that I needed to create a character to go on the show and they had us fill out this thing to be like what are you like? How would you describe yourself? Yada, yada, yada. And I remember just being like, okay, Olivia, you're the salad bitch. 
Like that's, that's who you are. And so I just went in on it and I was just like, I'm this LA fashion girl and I'm a stylist and I cook and my food is beautiful. And like, you know, I kind of just took that. I took the, the, I was at a point in my life where I took the superficial angle. Cause that's like what I, what I was experiencing. And also I knew that would get me on the show. Yeah. So I, I knew I was going to be, I, I just knew like from the moment that it started, I was like, Oh, this is a thing. So mm-hmm. They narrow it down to the top 100, and then what happens is they fly the top 100 to L.A. But because, and I think I've mentioned this to Jess, because we're from L.A. and I'm, like, born and raised L.A. native, I knew we were just in fucking Glendale. But, like, all these other people show up, and they left their life behind because you're supposed to go there, and you're supposed to pack enough clothes for three months. Like, you're supposed to be prepared to stay on the show. So... You go there and you're only allowed to bring like a couple cooking references with you. You can't bring any cookbooks. You can only bring like, I I forget what it is. You can bring like four recipes or something like that for you to have. And you can't have your phone. You can't have your computer. They tell you like, you're not going to be in contact with anyone in your life. Like you need to tell your job you're going to leave any rent situations. You need to tie that up. So they make it from the get go, this thing where like, you're essentially going on a like vacation and leaving your life behind to like be on a reality show Mm -hmm. and again like I had never even seen the show so I show up at this hotel and all these people are like talking like oh the 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 pressure test and the team challenges and I'm just like what (laughs) I'm like don't we just make stuff and then it gets judged and then you keep going but like you know I I didn't really know what I was getting into is what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. so that happens and then from the top 100 starting from the very beginning that we all got to the hotel, like, of course, it's a bunch of adults, like, you know, drinking and mixing and mingling and, you know, acting crazy and just so many big personalities. Mm -hmm. But they just keep sending you through these tests. And I remember one time they were like, we're going to be doing like a knife skills test. And so everyone's like, you know, going out and buying knives across the street and like trying to practice and bullshit. And then and then they call us into this room in, in groups of like eight and all of a sudden they turn on music and there's ingredients in front of us and they're like, okay, you have 20 minutes, cook something. Wow. And, and then we realize like you look around and there's like two way mirrors all around. So they were just like doing all these, they were just putting us in scenarios and kind of watching us. And then I, I think after that week, it was narrowed down to top 40 and that's when they start filming the show properly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the juice. <laughs> so are you, I always am curious about like, do you have to sign anything where you don't talk about like what's real and what's not about the show or is it fine? Like you can just talk about whatever. No, I don't think I'm supposed to talk about this. What? I don't think I'm supposed to talk about it, but I mean, oh. like it's been so many years. I think we're yeah. under contract for Fox for like four years or something. So now it's been, it's been enough time. And also oh like, God. pardon? Oh, you're good. You were, that was like 2015, right? Yeah. It was a while ago. And also like, it's not like I won, you know what I mean? Like if I was one of the winners, they sort of like own you, which is another interesting thing to think about. Like I never wanted to win um, because then you're just that, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I think it would have been cool, but like, I didn't think I was going to win. Also, I started to get smart to what was going on like pretty immediately because the girl that won the season before me looked too much like me for me to win. 
so there's just there's just that element like going along all the time um but yeah, yeah. I want to pause there and see if you guys have questions where that matters, makes sense where it matters your cooking but it also matters your look and if you're gonna be good for tv which is frustrating too did you did did you feel like the show as you got into it was really scripted and, and planned out? Like what, cause I haven't seen it yet. So what was the, mm. on the actual show? Well, okay. So, and again, in the beginning, you're like very deer in headlights. And I went in with like this, I think what started to happen too, was I went from being like this, like kind of, kind of like, I was who I was when I lived in London. I felt the most like myself I'd ever been. And then I kind of had this like, breakdown and got stuck there and then my way of getting out was to just be kind of surface and focus on these other things and like create cultivate these relationships that were very exciting but very distracting and then I you know kind of became like embodied this salad bitch idea and I went there being her Mm. and then what happened was it was so it was so intense so quickly that I immediately couldn't act how I said I was <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I couldn't be a bitch. Like all of us yeah. band together. I think that was actually one of the things about our season that was really unique is that we really all liked each other and yeah. that we were really all on each other's team. Awesome. And, and also like, I couldn't be bitchy. Like I loved everyone. We were all, and it was like going through a war together, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So, and also like, I recognize it. I'm, it's silly. It's not like survivor, but it was very, it was very, very intense. And also what happens is like, because the longer that you're there, the, the more you like lose touch with reality. Like you're living out of a suitcase in a hotel there, they put you in crazy scenarios. They're constantly driving you around in vans with like tinted windows and like blindfolding you and waking you up in the middle of the night and then like going to bed, you know, it's like, and there's drinking and it's all the stuff you would think of about like real world, but like cooking show vibes. (laughs) So, but it was not scripted. There was nothing like scripted, but this is, you know, I don't know if like how interesting it is, but basically I had told Jess that they like mic you at all times you wear a microphone. And so they, they just are constantly listening to the interactions that you're having with the other characters. And that's the thing is like, they're characters. You're playing a role in a show. Even though you're you, they've cast you to like live out this role. Mm. So I kind of feel like, I still don't know exactly how it works, but I would imagine they have a fucking spreadsheet and day by day, they're just like moving people around to create different storylines. And the thing about it is like, it's TV. You can't taste what people, what Gordon Ramsay's tasting. So if he says something's gross, you just go off of it. And I think I started realizing there were times when I would know that my shit was like really good and I would get no, no airtime. And then there was times when it was like really bad and I would get a lot of airtime and I realized like, Oh, that's actually a good thing. Cause they're, they're building me up, like showing me it. Like it's all, it's all time on TV. So, so yeah. It, and, and I think eventually you just kind of, given to the fact that like you're going to have your time there and it's going to be manipulated but you can only just do the best you can but also it is so interesting to me because Josh and I did become obsessed because I was like <laughs> watch you know live season of MasterChef and then we're on to season seven now by the way and Aww. there is a lot more drama in this season between the characters so I could tell that you're you guys got along 
very well in comparison. Um, but what is really interesting is like these challenges for those who haven't watched the show, you get into these team challenges where they have to cook for like a hundred farmers <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. And like all these hungry farmers are on the way and like team captain and like all of the people have to, these two teams have to decide what the ingredients they have, what they're going to make for these farmers. And of course the judges are looking for something that farmers would enjoy. So if you're going to make them something too fancy or too outside of the box, it's like, they're not going to eat that, you know, but also yeah. you can't just make steak and potatoes because that's boring. Boring. And yeah. So they have to come up with something super creative. And as a team, the captain has to communicate with everybody, put everybody in the proper roles and everybody just their personalities. I feel like that's the most fun part because their personalities really come out and you see yes. like who cracks under pressure, who yes. gets like super bitchy. And you're like, whoa, I haven't seen that side of them before. Who's like, you know, snapping, who's crying. Um, and so, and I know that you had said that that part was very real and Josh and I both get so stressed watching this <laughs> challenges is really like Gordon Ramsay is like yelling at them, like cutting a piece of steak and saying, yeah. it's raw. Yeah. And like throw something yeah. down and yeah. it's very dramatic. So what was that like being under <laughs> such intense pressure during yeah. those team challenges? Well, it's, it's funny because there's like so many different storylines going on, like in my life. And then at the show that like paralleled. So basically I have an eating disorder. I know it, but I don't like know it, know it. And it's also the thing that kind of like holds me together and defines me is that like, I make healthy, delicious, like California style food. So in a way I'm like, even finding a way to accept myself within my character there on the show and just in general. I'm yeah. I'm separate from my boyfriend who had been like a big part of my life and a big distraction. And it's like one of the first times where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm doing something for my life that's actually aligned. Mm -hmm. So all that's going on. And everyone on the show at one point or another, even on the on my elimination episode, like there's references to me being a skinny chef and like don't trust a skinny chef and like da-da-da. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, all that's kind of going on. And then we're competing and it's such high pressure that like, whatever you, however you want to show up, you can t pep talk your yourself as much as you want. But like, in those moments, like you're going to act how you're going to act. And it's actually been really interesting watching the show now in the past like, couple of weeks, because it's just so see through those, those moments when it's like, I was just not strong enough to have like a voice in certain scenarios or I felt like people saw my, I felt like people could see that my food was my problem and also my gift. And it, it, it didn't feel empowering. It felt scary. And I think that a lot of my like actions on the show. And I, I know that like when I left, it was because I had a moment where I was just like, broken down. Like I was tired of being called out for being, for looking the way that I looked, you know, and being on a cooking show. So I think that the pressure and the way that it is, is ultimately like, it's just very, it's just very, um, it's very telling. There's something that you can't hide behind. And I think to speak to how I felt at the time, not now, but at the time I was deeply proud of myself. I knew that like I was changing and it was, it was transforming and it was going to transform my career.
But also in the background is like Fox executives being like, you're going to be on TV and, you know, you're going to be getting a lot of attention. And so it's confusing because it's like, how, who, how do I want to be seen? And then also when I left the show, I, I immediately, my first thought was like, how are they going to edit me to look? Like, I know what I actually said, but what are they going to show? So yeah, that was kind of like the greatest pressure was that like, no matter what happens on the show, they can make it look like anything. That's always the scariest part. Like Jess and I have always dreamed of being on the amazing race or something like that. <laughs> like, but then that is, it's, they can make you look however they want you to look. Yeah. So what, what was it like? I, I would love to keep talking about your experience on the show. <laughs> honestly, So maybe we'll get back to it too, but, but, what, <laughs> but, but what was it like returning, seeing yourself on the show and was it better or worse than you anticipated? Okay. Well, So what happened was I left the show and I remember having just like a huge boost of confidence and also it had really changed like the dynamic of my relationship, I think, because I was having like success. And I think partners, even though we want to support each other, we were like in our middle 20s. And I think that maybe it was like threatening in a way and Mm -hmm. it wasn't great for our relationship. And also like I had left and we prior to that, he had been the one that was leaving me. So, because like I said, we were long distance. So it was just sort of like shifting, shifting things in general. And what what would happen was when the show aired and it aired on Wednesday nights, I remember on Wednesday nights, we would have these like quote watch parties, but we would all get together and just drink and nobody. And like, I didn't watch, I didn't watch the episodes. Like maybe I would like look at the TV, but I wasn't like engaging in the story. I wasn't like focused on how I was being perceived I was just trying to be like oh I'm on tv and like I wasn't even watching the episodes so Mm -hmm. so now like fast forward to literally now the past couple weeks like watching it I can see where they didn't really show me talking that much like they didn't I mean I interacted with everybody as as much as any of the other characters but they really only show me like do you know what I mean Jess like I didn't I didn't, didn't really show much of my personality and I honestly think it's because I wasn't like this little, I I think they wanted me to be like, not like I'm a genius or anything and my vocabulary is like off the charts, but I think they wanted me to be a little bit more like Valley Girl. Yeah, Yeah, the salad bitch, like fully. fully, Yeah, but I I appreciated you showed a little sass on the show and I feel like it was very, what they, certain elements of what they showed, I do think was you, like the things that I can imagine you, obviously that you do say and Josh and I, like, there was a lot of moments where we, like, laughed and we're like, oh, my God, we love Liv. Like, she says the other <laughs> thing. The thing that everybody's thinking but maybe wouldn't say out loud. Like, yeah, I remember there was one moment where one of the judges coming out, they always come over to their stations while they're in the heat of the moment cooking. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what are you making? Tell us about it. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, so stressful. Yeah. As we're like, stop talking. They have, yeah. like, 30 minutes. And Liv was like, I think that you're stressing my me out by talking to me, but I love you. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw like, that story today. Oh, yeah, and yeah. That's, that's, that's what I loved about it too, because that was the first thing Jess said about you on the show is that you had sass, and I loved seeing that clip today and just seeing you like in that freaking high stress environment, <laughs> you're still being funny and cute and yeah. sassy and smart. And so, to me, knowing that you were in a place where like you were kind of in that transition, finding yourself, but yet you were still coming off confident like that is so impressive. Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you. I mean, honestly, like, I don't, I don't, 
when I really think about it, like I, because I've been watching the show, I've been having like memories. I remember we were staying in this hotel and the hotel gift shop had like Godiva chocolate, you know, those like Godiva chocolate, like ball situations, like the little truffles. I was like going down to the fucking gift shop every night and buying a bag of Godiva chocolates and like living off of it. Like I was just constantly stressed. It was just so, it was a lot, but I mean, I'm glad to hear that you guys think that some of my, like what my essence did come out. It is there. It is there, but it wasn't, I, I can definitely, I definitely feel like they kind of kept me around to like fill a role. I don't really feel like it was necessarily like me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And there definitely were times where you were in the background and you didn't get a lot of airtime. And then, but to Rai's point, when you did, it was, I felt that it was very much live, but I do get what you're saying and that you didn't fully get to express who you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they show. didn't show it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you get a lot of feedback from people? Did you start getting fans? Huh. I mean, this is the other thing, too, is like, you know, if this happened now... Um, my Instagram handle would be on Fox and everyone that was watching me would be a follower. And not that that's something that I seek out, but that's just kind of the nature of, um, like social media and, and, and how these, like these systems work now. And it is kind of like a system. And I think that the system for all that was like just being built up at the time. And I, I started to get a lot of, I did, I, I mean, like, yeah, there were people that reached out to me on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that, but I wouldn't say it was like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking I, there was a small part of you, you know, when you're like 25 and you do something like this and you're like, I'm going to be famous. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, this is going to be so great. Like, I don't know. I, I knew, and I still know this about everything that I do. Like, it's not about the thing that you do. It's about what's going to come from it. So yeah. I wouldn't say that there was like this great response, but I definitely like obviously catapulted me into this completely other life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, just for people who don't know, you got to eighth place, right? Or seventh. Do you know that I don't know? I thought I got to six. That's definitely not right. I think uh, that I, I think that I was eliminated seventh. I'm pretty sure it was seventh. Um, I, I honestly am not sure. I'd have to look. Which is major it's really because impressive, that's like yeah. if you get into the top ten, that's huge. Um, but before we move on, because I do want to talk about how that catapulted you to the next level level in your career. And um, for anyone interested, you did say that Gordon is a very sweet man. Right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, he's lovely. He's so sweet and like loves ladies. But I'm a lady, so it's fine. Phrases <laughs> <laughs> down like down, Olivia, down. <laughs> no, it's like Olivia, Olivia. Like, what? Like, I just, I just hear him saying my name like over and over, like Olivia. Olivia. And you're you. just like, you're like, yes, chef, yes, chef. Please don't kill me. <laughs> anytime he describes, I mean, it's obviously the show, but anytime they describe a food dish, it's like we have this stunning steak. Yeah. The full golden mashed potato, like everything's so descriptive. My favorite is when he's like, damn, 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 damn. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's I mean. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> like he'll try someone's food that he doesn't like and have like, oh, Damn. really thought this was going to be good. Uh, yeah. Like uh, just walk off. But also or, that's when you know that he's acting. P.S. But anyway. What? Acting. acting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, for sure. 
Um, but yeah, before we move on into how it catapulted you, I do want to touch back on the eating disorder portion of it because I know that you, you touched on that and I can imagine how much pressure that would be, um, restricting your food while you're cooking every single moment of every day. And there's Mm. so much pressure on making delicious food. So you don't really dive into it, but your eating disorder was more around restriction, right? Like not eating a a lot of calories. Yeah. I think I definitely, it's definitely something like, I don't know if we have time, but I do want to touch on it because I think again, like, I don't know what your experience is like, Jess, um, in your, in your kind of journey with this, but I don't think I knew that I had an eating disorder until the time that it was like, I knew I needed to get recover. Like I literally didn't put a name to it. It didn't even occur to me. I was just like, Oh, I don't eat that. And then it slowly was like, I don't eat anything. And then it was just like a part of my life. And like everywhere I went, I knew exactly what to order or what not to order or where to go or how to avoid certain social situations that involved eating certain ways or certain amounts or whatever. Like, I don't even think I had an awareness. It was like an autopilot of how I lived my life. Mm -hmm. And then it was when, you know, salad bitch, when it was an Instagram before I started like catering, that was, I think my first effort to feed myself food that I thought was good. That was me being like, okay, let's get real. Like I want to eat, I want to cook, I want to explore this part of myself, but I want it to feel safe. And so a lot of it was about like, okay, really, it was me fighting with myself about like, how can I make this taste good, but make it good for me. And my rules about what good for what was good for me were obviously totally made up, but I didn't know the difference. And I never went on some sort of like diet research or anything. It was literally just like as little as possible as you can eat, do that. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing that I think maybe you can relate to is after doing that for years, like your hunger, it just goes away. And like you, you disconnect from your body on so many levels. And then you're actually like disconnected from your soul. I hate to say it like that, but like, you're just, you're just walking around separate from yourself constantly. And I think mm-hmm. like this whole master chef was kind of like me re merging with myself and when I talk about those moments where like at night I would go down to the hotel gift shop and buy chocolates like I was going through periods of like binging and restricting constantly because it was like I was trying to figure out how to like dance with what was normal and again like an eating disorder is similar to an addiction but when you are addicted to alcohol you don't go to a bar but for instance when your issue is food you can't just stop eating or eat perfectly it's like you're every day even if you don't cook for a living you're going to be subjected with that that challenge each time you go to feed yourself so for me it was almost like I did become aware I was like this is a jokes on me scenario like I cook all day Mm. and this is my this is my work to do and then I think what happened was when I started to become aware of it and when I really wanted to like make this my job I, I was like, this is, this is a, you know, work I'm willing to take on. And I think that was, it was, I mean, it was still to this day, like that was like the hardest work I've ever done. And also it, it, it's shameful because you have to come to your family and you have to say, I need help with X, Y, Z, but it's like everyone around you knows, Mm -hmm. you know, like it wasn't, 
it was not a secret. And I think even like having this conversation now, there is some apprehension around talking about it, but it's like, everybody knows. It's like, it's not, that's yeah. the thing. It's like bringing light to darkness and, and that kind of um, analogy. Like, that's just how I think about it all the mm-hmm. time. It was just like, okay, we need to shine light on this now. This is done being in the dark, no more secrets, no more hiding from yourself, no more hiding from everybody else. How can you remove the people in your life that are allowing you to keep this hidden? Wow. When was that? And what did that look like in your life? How did things start to change? Mm. Well, first, I, I mean, my parent, my mom had come to me before and been like, Olivia, you don't look good. And I went to my parents and I was like, I need to go to therapy. And I went to my boyfriend. I was like, I'm going to start going to therapy. And that's where my life started to have a lot of friction because I wanted to hold on to this like other part of my life and these other people, but I wanted to become something different. And so it was, I would say a good, like two years of therapy. I did a group program for eating disorders, which to this day was something that like was so valuable to me because, um, you know, it's such a secretive thing. It feel if it had felt like such a secret and this actually like brings me kind of full circle to why being on the podcast right now is so meaningful to me. Like Jess, you were one of the first people who I didn't feel any darkness around your past when you talked about it. Like you, when you talked about it, like, of course it made me sad and it touched me and it made me sad for the person that you might've felt like you had to be. But the way that you spoke about it, it was, it was just like, you own yourself so much. And I honestly, like, that was maybe two, was it two years ago? Three years ago? I think I, I think I heard your pod. How long ago was that? Probably three years ago. Yeah. So I had been in therapy for like two years, a year and a half at that time. And I think I was in the group program. And then I heard your episode on almost 30. And yeah, I mean, I'm not even being cheesy right now. Like you were one of the first and only people where I was like, oh, she's like a girl that's like figured it the fuck out. (laughs) she's not like afraid of it it's not this like whoa scary thing like you know what I mean it's it's and and now like it feels so liberating to just be like yep like that was part of how I got here but that's why I'm here now Mm. yeah I think it's sort of for me it was like figuring out that I wanted to help other people understand that they could break free from that feeling of being trapped Mm -hmm. and that it was my duty to share my story because what I truly had at my core was my story. My story became my gift. And if Mm -hmm. I didn't share my story, then I wasn't really able to help other people. And if I didn't share my story, I myself wasn't able to continue to heal. And Mm -hmm. at no point will I ever say that I have it figured out. I think that it's a journey every single day. I think that there's always going to be some hiccups and struggles, but I feel like I do have the tools now where I can channel those tools and use them to get over whatever hump I'm in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I didn't have before. I would only ever turn to restriction or control or like hating myself or binge drinking or um, wearing way too much makeup and low cut shirts. You know, it was like, I never really tried to do the work. And right you now, cause it was too scary and I didn't really, I was afraid of what the change would look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but that's kind of where my mind was. 
Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, there were so many times when I wanted to get better and I was like, but I don't want to get all new clothes. But like, I don't want to sweat. I don't want to get all new clothes. Mm-hmm. And I remember that being like a reason and just even knowing then like, Olivia, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. fucking bullshit. Like that doesn't matter. And, um, you know, I think therapy is definitely something not to like you know, speak too seriously or anything. But I think if this is something that like you're hearing us and you're, you're hearing what we're saying and it's like, you really, it, it really isn't something that I think you can do alone because you have to like reprogram and, yeah. you know, I don't know about you, but this was something that like, I'm going to be working on it like forever. It's going to be a forever practice, but it feels so good now to be aware of my tendencies and to be able to choose to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And to recognize that um, it's a choice and it's a very powerful one. And when you talk about how you feel like you had your story and you had to share it and you had to help people, that's actually what like cooking and and my work became for me. Like I feel I feel like it's the same way. I don't help people individually one on one. And sometimes it's not even like they know this part of my story. But when I cook for them and when we exchange food, it's the same. And it's me being like, oh, I learned to give this to myself and now I want to like give it to you because you're deserving of it. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, this is such a pleasurable part of life and Mm -hmm. it just all feels, it feels so lighter now. Um, How did, oh, sorry. Oh, go on. No, 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 no. I think that's, yeah, I can leave it there. Well, I mean, there's so, so much in this topic and, and. For both of you, I'm so happy that you have come to a place of being able to talk about it because mm-hmm. that is where all the healing occurs, like you said, in the light, not hiding it, not being shameful. And so mm-hmm. um, kudos to you and thank you for opening up about yeah. it on this on, on this podcast. Um, and I didn't know that when we first met you, I remember you saying you had heard Jess's podcast and you had had dreams about cooking with her, <laughs> and collaborating with her. And then we met yeah. you like super funky retreat that Jess spoke at and you have yeah. there like how crazy all of that serendipitously happens and you got to talking and now you guys have done all these collaborations and all of these things have all of these different opportunities have happened for for both of you it's an amazing story and um but I I love what you said about helping people through your food I feel like you've done that for me because I'm somebody who Mm -hmm. has had a lot of gut issues and there's just been my, I never had like the same, you know, yo-yoing or restrictive eating. I mean, I have plenty of those thoughts, you know, just like people do, but my thing was just that I was told, Oh, you can't have this. You can't have this. You can't have this because of my gut issues. And so it's like all these food groups are gone. And then it's like, how do I even eat anything that tastes good? Yeah. That's where like your style of cooking comes in where it's just like so amazing that you can have delicious food that also doesn't need to have like it it's not it doesn't need to have all of these fillers and additive sugars and gluten like that's not and and maybe some people would say like oh you know and like you shouldn't worry about that stuff but really from a health nutritious perspective we we should you know we should be cognizant of the sugar in our food um if you have gut issues like you're going to need to figure out how to make great food or enjoy food without those things, or else you're going to be really bored and really depressed. And it's kind of like what you said (laughs) about walking around, like without your soul, when you're just like not eating anything, like 
yeah, you can get to a place where you just eat bland, boring food all the time, but you're not as happy. You're not enjoying no, not no. life. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's what your food has really, it made me excited. I'm like, oh my God, I can have all of these. Like Jess has started making those sugar-free cookies that we've been going on and on about. Um, thing that like, I can't have that without feeling sick otherwise, you know, or like the normal cookies. So, so I thank you for that, but I'm curious how your food and, and how, what you were cooking changed as a result of your personal change from salad bitch to... <laughs> maybe allowing more food and food groups in, but, mm-hmm. but tweaking it a little bit to be maybe just more focused on healthy overall. Yeah. Well, I love, first of all, thank you so much. That's, that's like just so sweet. And that's what, what I do, what I do. And yeah. also it's, it's nice to hear even you talking about it, going like from salad bitch to what I do now, like the name of my business now is live hungry. Mm. And I never thought about it when I named it that, to be honest. And then it's been one of those things that I just grew into and I realized it's about being hungry for life. It's about experiences. It's about living. It's about being able to go through life and say like, I want that. And Mm -hmm. and I want to experience that and not going through life saying like, Oh, I can't have that because of what it might lead to. Or -hmm. if I have this, then tomorrow I need to not have that. It's like, I, I didn't even know that that was kind of what I was working towards embodying and I have to say, and Jess, maybe you can speak to this too, like the greatest freedom comes when there's just not as much weight in it. Like, it's just not that, I I think that's how I know that I've come so far is it's like, it's not that threatening to me if there's a pan of brownies in my fridge. <laughs> because before it used to be like, okay, they're there, better eat them all. And then tomorrow I'll eat nothing. Like it would be all I thought about. And right. I think that, you know, through a lot of going to therapy and also just working on like, I think the best, the best and the most important thing you can do is become aware of like your inner voice. Um, and I don't think I'm saying anything particularly like revolutionary here, but when you really like separate yourself from your thoughts and allow yourself to hear them and you hear what they might sound like and you witness that you're just like not being kind and you're not being giving and you're not like being allowing, like you're restricting yourself from not just the food, but from all those experiences and all those emotions. So at first it's really scary because you're, it's like a floodgate and you're like feeling all the emotions and feeling threatened by everything and feeling triggered by everything. And you don't want to go to your old ways to, you know, put it back together because then, you know, it's like this cycle. So I think I really just started looking at this. I mean, it's kind of woo woo, but I started looking at food and my body and myself as kind of like this entity in like this greater ecosystem. And like, if I'm not playing my role and allowing myself to like have the things that I want, like what is the domino effect and the things around me that are also being blocked? And it started with just being like, what sounds good? What's in season? What feels good? And then just like following that. And I think intuitive eating is this huge concept that I still probably couldn't explain to anybody, but I can say that it's something where like, you can literally just say like, what do I want? And then without uh, like saying like, is it okay or not? You just go find a way to have it. Mm -hmm. And I do think what you're saying about being cognizant about the sugar and the gluten and the dairy and the buzzwords and whatever, like 
it's important because at this point, like we have science, we know that those things are not conducive to us, like feeling your best self. So if you've never felt good, you're probably okay. Like if you've never not had, or if you've never removed those things from your diet, you don't even know what it feels like to not have it. So it might just sound too threatening or restrictive or whatever. And that's fine because everyone should live their life. But like, if you've gone the way that I've gone, or maybe Jess has gone where there's like nothing, and then you add things back in and then you take things away, you really learn like what makes you feel comfortable in your body. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, if you, if you want to look into intuitive eating, that's like a really incredible tool. But I think above that even is just this idea that like the world, the earth, it's like equipped with everything you need to be like, not just healthy, but be like happy. Like it's all here. And it's all like when people say like eat with the seasons, that's like the key to life guys. That's it. Like the, the, it's like made, it's like the world is like engineered to have everything that you need. So I would say that the way that my food changed is my relationship to it. I just stopped being afraid of it. Um, it's not like I just stopped that would, that's, that's not the right way of putting it. I didn't just stop, but I think over time it just stopped feeling like threatening. And, uh, I just found ways to recognize that like, it's a gift, like all this amazing, like the food and the ingredients and the fact that I can like, you know, work and, and afford to live the life that I live and eat the food that I eat. It's just, it's a lot more giving. It's a lot more about giving. Yeah. And that, I mean, everything you said is so beautifully put. And I think that something that happens when you get into diet culture, restriction, whatever it is, is the joy from fruit food is completely stripped away because totally. every time you're eating, whether it's something that tastes good or feels good, you're either tallying up the calories in your head, thinking about how to make up for it later, mm-hmm. you know, or saying like, Oh, I'm being so good right now. So like, attaching morality to food whether it's a good thing or a bad thing and it's you're not able to live in the moment because you're always just thinking about what you're eating and then what you're going to eat next how that's going to affect you and it's like this spiral where you can't be in the moment and be like oh I'm at this amazing French bakery like I want sourdough bread let me just get that and you know and when you get to that place where you're able to just be in the moment and choose the thing that makes you feel the way that you want to feel versus going down the rabbit hole of shoulds. Like I should do this. I shouldn't do that. That has colors. Blah, blah, blah. Then it's like, it it's not so forbidden. And when food mm-hmm. is so forbidden and you can bring more joy and experiences to them, you know that you can have them whenever you want. So you don't crazy crazy. You don't want it much because you're like, it's always there for me. If I want it, I can have it. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I think what you're saying is just such, and the thing is it could take years of knowing that before you can embody it. But I just want to say like with certainty, you can work on it and you can get to a point where like, literally I have chocolate every single day Mm -hmm. because I want to, and I find a way to do it in a way that doesn't make me feel gross. It feels like a gift. It doesn't feel like some sort of dirty, like I'm out back smoking a cigarette behind behind my parents' back. You know what I mean? That's, that's what food, food used to have that feeling for me. So I think like just, and also, I don't know why, but I always, always in the back of my mind had this feeling like, okay, if I ever get pregnant, if I ever have a kid, like that will be the thing that, really changes me 
But ultimately what ended up really on like from a health perspective being the thing that was my motivation mostly to take care of myself was I really wanted to have my period. I really wanted to have hormonal balance because I recognized how much it was connected to my emotions and you can, you can do all the therapy in the world, but if you're chemically not supporting yourself with the nutrition that you need, and if you're not getting the sleep and, and, you know, you have the stress hormones, of you know, cortisols all the time and da da da, like, it's just not all going to line up. So I think I started like, just really realizing that if I can just change the way I feel about those things they don't even affect me. Like I could probably go eat, you know, in and out and it's not going to make me feel any different than if I ate a salad because it's just like not that big of a deal. Whereas before, before like the worrying about it makes it feel bad. Oh yeah. And to your point about hormones, I mean, we could talk all day about that and we don't have time, but yeah, it's like the stress that you have around not eating that burger or whatever can impact your cortisol levels and shoot you into that fight or fight place where you end up hanging on to stored fat anyway. And so you'd be better to just better enjoy to- that mm-hmm. that meal and, and let it be. Well, yeah. and like to this day, people will be like, what's your workout routine? Da, da, da. It's like, I don't, I don't have one. I don't have a routine around food or movement. I literally just do whatever feels good. And I've never felt more, more comfortable. And to be honest, like maybe I've had to go through a couple iterations of buying some new clothes, but like I like the way that I dress. I like the way that I feel even when I have like cramps because it's like, hey, I'm a woman. Like this is part of the experience, you know? It's just kind of like I don't feel robbed of any of the spectrum of any of these kind of human experiences anymore. Yeah, and I wanted to add too because I think that it can, because we talked about like gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, like a lot of your recipes are, you know, the freeze don't have that. Yeah. Are free of things, but you also cook everything too, um, for all different occasions. And for me, it's not the problem for me was I was gluten free, everything, dairy free, everything like for everything, but about intuitive eating and all of that, it's about like, still allow yourself to enjoy the gluten, to have the dairy, to have things here and there. But to your point earlier, you're going to likely feel better overall. If your main meals don't have that all the time, you know, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on your situation, or if you can tolerate dairy, you can tolerate gluten, make sure that it's organic, that it's well-sourced, mm-hmm. you know, those things matter about mm-hmm. how we feel, but we're definitely not saying to just like have nothing ever, yeah. just <laughs> that balance, that balance. And, and to be able to have these go-to recipes. And like you said earlier, you share all of this stuff so people can make it at home to have recipes that are delicious and healthy is that don't that, feel like a compromise. Don't feel like a compromise. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But, I think, I think that that's where like, I've been really fortunate that I think whether people have had a history of disordered eating, like, like me, or they're just living in a culture where it's, there's a lot of confusion around food and taking care of yourself in general, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like for me, the reason I identify as a holistic chef is because I like to think about how like cooking and eating fits into your life as a whole. And we, I feel even in this conversation, we're hopping back and forth between these like esoteric concepts, um, physical and mental health. And that's the thing is it's like, it's all of it. And the balance doesn't come from cutting out gluten. 
it no. comes from it comes from recognizing that you're a whole person and that in every moment you have to like you have to look at which part of you you're feeding and when you're eating and when you're cooking you have to be prepared to feed every part and like you know there's a lot of different things that you can do to do that and again i think the number one things are not necessarily cutting stuff out it's not about like don't ever eat sugar it really is about like communing with yourself and your food and if that's something that sounds just like an absolute no to you if you're like that's bullshit I want to get takeout every day the first thing to do is to look at why like why does it feel better to not know where your food's from what part of you just wants to check out in that moment and like maybe you're stressed out in other ways and so it's okay that you need to check out but at least be aware that you're doing it you know Mm, great point Yeah. So what are a few tips that you would have for people who want to bring more joy to the experience of cooking and being in the kitchen and actually eating? Hmm. Okay. There's a couple things that come to mind. The first thing that came to my mind, and I'm not sure why, is to use memories as a, a way to navigate what you want. Like when you don't know what you want to make, like what was your favorite food when you were a kid? Um, what flavors like just make you feel comforted? You know what I mean? I think that like a lot of people get super concerned with making like cool recipes and finding cool cookbooks. If you can make a roast chicken with potatoes, it's the, it, like, that's delicious. I eat that so much. <laughs> like just, just so good. You like stripping, I think like stripping, like especially now food is so culturally, culturally relevant. Like Vice, Vice has a cooking channel and it's a culture magazine. So I, I think like just taking it down a notch and taking the pressure off of this idea that you need to make like interesting food. That's not true. You need to make food that might like just, it just needs to be simple and fulfilling. Um, I don't think it needs to be fancy. And then, oh, sorry, I want to answer the question correctly. What was the exact question? Um, if you have tools. trouble, like someone like me to Thomas cooks for us every night, thank God, um, <laughs> because I, I just don't really enjoy cooking or like, I, you know, so she's basically asking for someone like me, like, what are some things to kind of get you excited or inspired? Yeah, someone like you, but also someone who's had restriction and cooking isn't necessarily mm, a choice fine for them it's like because yeah so obsessed with making sure everything's perfect I think Got that's it. where my not liking it comes from too because I've always been like oh True. I shouldn't have this I shouldn't have these things and so yeah. I'm like I just don't want to deal with it at all yeah so it is together in that yeah I think I think for both people that have had issues around like not enjoying cooking just fundamentally and people that have issues with food. I think, yeah, turning to your food memories and finding ways to adopt that into your lifestyle because it's always going to be happy. It's like, that's part of your programming. It's in there and it's not going to go away. Like that's one thing. I think another thing is to, this is going to sound funny, but like when you're not hungry, you don't have to eat. And when you are hungry, you shouldn't wait. I oh, think, yeah. yeah, I think like that's the other thing is like societally, we get into this idea that you have to wake up and you have to have breakfast. And then at noon, you need to have lunch. And then at six, you need to eat dinner and you need to have breakfast food for breakfast. And you need to have like a sandwich for lunch. And then for dinner, you need to have a vegetable and a starch and a protein. 
And all that is bullshit because in China they have soup for breakfast. You know what I mean? I just, I think that like just these general ideas that make you think that you need to do anything a certain way around food is just, you can free yourself of that. And also if you wake up in the morning and you're not hungry, like don't force yourself to make a big production out of breakfast. Um, So I think, yeah, it just comes with like a little bit more of, if you can tune in and be a little bit more allowing. Yeah. Cause I always remember when we were kids and mom and dad would have their lazy days of just like not knowing what to make us, which I cannot blame them. I will probably be like that every day of the week <laughs> if I have kids. Um, but just, they would make like breakfast for dinner. And I remember that being, I love dinner. I love dinner. Yeah. It's so good. And it's so fun. And you're like, Ooh, I get pancakes for dinner. Like that's so different. And, um, but yeah, Absolutely. I, mean, I think that's so right. You there it's removing the rules from food just in general, whether it's fools rules around restriction rules around like what you should eat, when you should eat, how you should eat it. Um, and, and that's a great point of how you can bring more joy because if you love breakfast for dinner, then you're going to satisfy your cravings so much more. And you're probably not going to be looking around for a million snacks afterwards or like a bunch of dessert because you're satisfied. Absolutely. And I think the same thing comes with me. Like sometimes if I don't know what to make for dinner and I'm like, I want a piece of cake, I'll make a fucking cake. You know what I mean? Like, because tomorrow, it's just not that big of a deal. Like life is so long. Every single day is an opportunity to like, just continue on having experiences. And this idea that it's like going to be the right way for a long period of time and add up to you being more correct as a person. Like, I think that's what I'm talking about really dismantling. And then the other thing that I don't want to ignore in, in terms of like, just the concrete fabric of like food and ingredients is if you don't like cooking and you don't know what to cook go to a farmer's market because it's a fun activity you get to see the food like similarly to how it was you know grown oftentimes things will have like dirt or roots or or you know whatever it's important to just like I think under I think getting a little bit more perspective on the ingredients and like how long it took for like a beet to grow in the ground so that it can get on your plate. For me, that's another thing that makes me really appreciate food and also makes it so I don't need to, I don't know, like you just don't need to stuff your face and eat like a ton of whatever it is. Not that the idea is to eat less, but when you are more connected to what the food is, I just think it's a lot, it's just a lot more satisfying. You have a lot more appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's a good idea. I want to go this weekend. That's yeah. Yeah. Cause you do get inspired. And even like I use imperfect produce where they deliver produce for you. And sometimes I just let there be wild cards in there. Like there, I'll have to show you the fruit. Actually. I can't remember what it's called. It looks kind <laughs> of, but it's not, it's like really spiky on the outside and I haven't even opened it to see what it looks like inside, but it's a bitter melon. I don't know. Is it a melon? It's wait, it's spiky oh, on the it's- outside. It's like a red, it's got spiky, it's a little ball. I'll send you a photo. Um, oh, oh, rambutan, rambutan. Yeah. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I think it's fun to just kind of like throw in a wild card there. Or if you're at the farmer's market, pick up like a weird mushroom or something and ask them like, how do you cook this? What like, is this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really, really fun. Sure. Okay. So we have gone way over in time and <laughs> so appreciate <laughs> you being here with us and I feel like obviously we could talk for hours more um 
Yeah, but, we had a lot more cooking questions for you, but yeah, you're so inspiring, and yeah. I'm glad we got to focus on that. Mm-hmm. But we do want to know, flash forward um, today, mm-hmm. what are you doing with this incredible career in chefery, which I think is a word maybe that I made up, <laughs> um, but... What are, what are you most excited about? Like, where are you in this journey? And I know things have changed since quarantine. I know in the beginning mm-hmm. it was probably very difficult. And now mm-hmm. like, you've completely blossomed into um, just adapting and embracing it. So tell us mm-hmm. more about that. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, a lot has changed. I feel like each year has been just almost like a totally different version of my career um, since I went on MasterChef and since I really just made the switch from fashion to food, uh, I think that just like, you know, if you're a painter or a songwriter, you're going to like paint and write songs about what you're going through. I think that what I was doing, like when I met you and when we were doing those events and I was developing recipes and whatever, I think I was like working through my issues as they were coming along with my work. I was kind of like using them as a way to reflect and as a way to get better and as a way to nurture myself and others and I think finally I'm at this point where like that's just not very it's not even interesting to me like it's not that I'm my recipes aren't going to continue to be healthy there's always going to be that through line and again I'm always going to have this kind of holistic approach about feeding yourself and feeding your soul for a lack of better word Mm -hmm. and I think that that's kind of where I'm starting to look is like I'm so interested in so many different kinds of art and food and making food and bringing people together through the experience of eating. There's so much opportunity there to, to create like a world. And a big part of what I do is work with brands on creating their, um, their recipes, their aesthetic, their products. So I think right now my focus is on cultivating more work like that and also it's it's so much about like the beauty of the food and the beauty like the aesthetic beauty of the food and so I think right now I'm actually in the process of like a rebrand and getting my website together and I think it's really about gathering my body of work to show people like this is how I see it through my eyes and when you see it it's like there's so much like wonder and beauty, even though it's just food, it's like, uh-huh. it's very artistic for me. So I think I'm, I'm working on taking it more in that direction as a brand on, uh, as a whole. That's so exciting. That's a really smart idea. Mm-hmm. There's so much work in that realm. Yeah. And everyone needs to follow you over at live hungry because you post some of your recipes. I think people will get a really nice visual for how, what you do create is a work of art. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. And you, and also um, the project that Liv and I are working on together called Fiber. You can go over to Fiber app, and we're posting a lot of like very realistic, fun mm-hmm. ways to get after your goals and nutrition, fitness, and wellness. And Liv has a lot of great tutorials over there, and we do stories, and it's just really fun, and it's a good good vibes to be around. Definitely, and that's another thing, like. Those are the prod. That's kind of what I'm working on right now is I do a lot of different things, but through it all, it's, it's all kind of taken a a little bit of a direction where a lot of it is focusing on like how, how food is fun and how to integrate food into your life in a way that just has more ease. And it doesn't feel as much about the stuff that we were kind of talking about earlier in the conversation. It's more about like just 
general like over overall lightness and happiness around like living eating cooking experiencing yeah that kind of thing food is life mm-hmm. food is it, really, it is it is it's not that big of a deal <laughs> yeah food is community it's love it's travel it's experiences it's beautiful life is just so much better with good nutritious tasty food and and so thank you for gracing us with all of your amazing recipes and 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 sharing your journey it's so cool mm-hmm. how your cooking has evolved along with it yeah oh, you guys I can you guys come with me everywhere <laughs> 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 you can just yeah. say it all for me thank you so much this has been so much fun and also like truly uh Jess you've been such an influence for me just seeing how you can move through this process and and come on the other side of it and and not feel like it's something that is to be hidden but something to share and really like a superpower and you're just you're I don't know you you do everything with such grace and I'm just really grateful for both of you Uh, thank you so much Liv we're also equally as grateful for you and can't wait to continue to see how Live Hungry evolves and you know glad that the salad bitch is behind you (laughs) (laughs) bye bye salad but also such a great story. So how any anything else you want people to follow other than your Instagram account to keep in touch with you? I don't think so. I think Instagram's the best way. I'm I'm very reachable and interactive over there and I love it when people ask me questions or want me to try new things. I love doing that. And then my website will be live. I don't know if it will be live by the time this is out, but there it's livehungry.com. And that's L I V hungry, right? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Yay. I'm going to go watch your season so that Oh my god. All the time. Yes. <laughs> I love you ladies. I love you both. Thank you, Thank you so much. Isn't Liv just the cutest? You seriously have to watch her season of MasterChef and see her in action. Josh and I binged the whole season in like 3 nights. So, definitely recommend it. Yeah. Season 6. I cannot wait to. <laughs> season 6. I can't wait to do mm-hmm. that. And reminder for all of you listening, if you're enjoying our podcast so far, we would love if you could subscribe and leave us a positive review so that we can continue bringing on guests you want to hear from and grow this community. It's always great if you can take a screenshot of the episode when you're listening to it, if you're loving it, tag us on your Instagram stories at salute2.0podcast and we will share it as well. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, even if nothing feels right today, you tuning into this podcast and opening your mind is enough. Change doesn't happen overnight, so be patient and kind to yourself and good things will come. See you next time.